everyone and welcome to the going for two live network my name is kyle senra and joining me on this special episode is dylan schmittler dylan how are you doing uh, i'm doing well kyle uh you know me we like quarterbacks and uh, the only thing hotter than the weather in southwest florida is the uh 2023 quarterback play yeah even some of the even jacksonville's third string quarterback looked amazing in the preseason uh, <laughs> refer back to the dynasty gambit last thursday for uh more nathan work talk yeah i, I already picked up another yeah. share so he's already like beyond the threshold to be my most rostered dynasty player I'm really yeah nathan, be, add even yeah. more nathan share might beat up trevor lawrence once eventually i mean yeah. i'm not i'm not even thinking that i i mean i don't think he will i i, I think he could beat up Bethard though like right now i am be the backup like if, if he if he were thrown into a game right now he has a better chance to win that game than bethard who could you know maybe the jags would trust more as a game manager but i don't think he's going to elevate the team and the, the receiving off options certainly like lawrence does but even to the effect that work does so i'm i'm i don't know if doug peterson will see it that way but that's what i'm banking on is uh you know a lot of these leagues i have them in are there's taxi squads so you can just stash them for a year or two and see what happens let's see after these two, this two-year contract with the jags if someone probably should make him a starter considering how many awful quarterbacks we have in the NFL. Like, you know, this, this is this, sorry, this episode is about, supposed to be about the top 10 NFL quarterbacks. So imagine the guys, at the bottom 10, like at least among starters, how ugly that looks, right? Work is certainly an upgrade over a few of those options. Yeah. Let's hope, Maybe let's I'm biased. Let's, let's hope that uh, Trevor Lawrence plays for the next 15 years, because I think we want to see him play. Yeah, I doubt Rourke's going to get very many starts in Jacksonville. I think the key there is that he leaves somewhere else. Uh, you know, two years to learn the NFL with Jacksonville. He's learning behind Lawrence. Who's, they're not—they're actually not that far off in age. <laughs> but, the, you know, at this point, the veteran who's had a couple seasons under his belt. Uh, good old boys, fantasy football saying top 10, here we go. Yeah, good to see some uh, people in the chat, including the good old boys. Always great to see Jamie as well. Uh, wait, what day is this today? Yeah, so sorry to throw you off, Jamie. This is just a completely random episode. There really isn't much actual fantasy football talk here. The, the me rostering Nathan Work in Dynasty League is about as much fantasy as we're going to go into. But as you can see from the title, we're going to talk about the top ten NFL quarterbacks. This will be from a real life quarterbacking perspective. I know this idea came actually from Dylan last year on his show, which uh, if you want to you know talk about plug now, you certainly can, Dylan. But uh, last year you and I did this exact same episode ranking the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. I know you were higher on Josh Allen than I was. I think he had, I don't think he was in my top five. And then by the, even a few weeks into the season, I thought back and you know what? Dylan had him at like one or two. That was probably the right, right move. Oh, and, and yes, I've influenced here. There you go. I've influenced Jamie to pick up some work in some leagues, but yes. Uh, but yeah, if you want to mention anything about your show, Dylan, uh, feel free now. Yes. Yes. I host the uh, Big D podcast, which uh, you can check out on the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. Also check out the Big D podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast will be uh, will be up and running uh, probably tomorrow. Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, check out uh, everything Dylan does. And yeah, he's on Twitter at Dylan S Sports one. So that'll be a double S there. Uh, double cool. Senra says there's double S alliterations. Uh, yes. Well, uh, what's in a name? But uh, the name game here is to name our top 10 quarterbacks. 
not, I mean, you can guess if you want, folks, and feel free, of course, to share your top 10 list. But uh, did you find this difficult at all before we get into the list, Dylan, just some general thoughts about it? Oh, yeah, especially, I mean, at the top, it was easy, but especially 9, 10, 11, because I, f- I felt like the quarterbacks from like 9 through 11 or 12 were very similar. I mean, you could have five people have five different lists and if you have one or two if you have one or two guys potentially in that nine ten range who i don't have i don't think you're crazy and same thing if i've got different guys because i think that court i think there's a gap between the top five or six guys and then everybody else potentially from six seven all the way all the way up and all the way down. I feel like there's a there's a significant gap between the top handful and that eight, nine through about twelve or thirteen. Yeah, I found I found identifying who the top seven were for me was okay. And maybe the order was a little tricky within that, but I thought it was easy. But then yeah, figuring out names eight, nine, ten to get those three spots down. I felt like I, I had about six, seven, eight legit candidates for all three of those spots. So I did. I agree with you. I found uh, the further down we went, the harder it got to, to whittle down. And even that, like, you know, nine and ten, I could easily, like, you know, if you ask me tomorrow, I might easily replace it with two other guys. So yeah, it certainly is a, a fun discussion. I suppose if it was easy, that then uh, there wouldn't be any point talking about it. Everyone would know the top ten. It's so super obvious, right? Uh, one of these guys, you know, what color is the sky today? Oh, it's blue. Yeah, that would be about as useful as that. But I guess that's what makes this so interesting. I do have a couple questions for you. Uh, one, uh, I mean, you know me. I'm the, I've done uh, upwards of 100-plus best ball drafts on DK right now. So I'm in there stacking these guys. Is there one quarterback you're looking to get in, whether it be redraft, dynasty, or best ball, and one draft, and especially at the top, and one guy you're looking to avoid? So I think – seems like Herbert is going late enough that the down season last year, I mean, he was a second round pick sometimes in some single quarterback drafts last year in super flex. He was at times the second overall pick and, you know, I've seen, and I haven't done any best ball drafts, but I've seen some redraft leagues where in single quarterback formats, he's falling to the, the fifth round. And to me, that's, that's a screaming value because we're, Last year might be the worst year we'll ever see from him for a really long time, and I think people are almost pricing him at his floor. And those are the those are the opportunities to really buy in, and that's where you can, you know, if he, if he rebounds to a top five quarterback this year, you get such value on that pick. You know, if Mahomes or Allen in the second or third round hit a top five, that's great, but you're not getting as much value as if you get someone late like like Hertz last year. Anyone who picked him last year, that that was such a huge spike in value to to get who was at times last year, the QB one. So I, th- I think Herbert has that possibility of being late enough. And I mean, you're not, you're not seeing too late. Like this is a new, uh, this isn't five years ago where you're going to get an elite top five quarterback in the close to double digit rounds. But I mean, spending look, a fifth round pick on Herbert to me seems like a pretty easy decision. I mean, Justin Herbert feels every time I see Justin Herbert go in the fifth round of a draft, I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe it. And I mean, it's like, you get and plus the Chargers are easy to sack because guess what? You get Austin Eckler, you get Keen Allen, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson, and uh, Jared Everett. You, so you can get yourself Chargers an easy sack to get. Plus they've got a great week seven, 
17 matchup against the Broncos. So you can bring it back with Jerry Judy, uh, uh, Marvin Mims, or whatever, or this whatever happened to Greg Dolchers. Why Sean Payton's not using Dolchers, but that's a story for another day. Well, and you know, let's plug uh, the Big D Sports Show again. You had me on. I want to say it was within the last month to talk about the top 10 coaches in the NFL. And we both had Sean Payton on the list, although you had him significantly higher than I did. I think I might've had him at seven, maybe six, whereas I, I believe you had him at number three. So in your mind, you're seated as, okay, Russell Wilson last year, can, a lot can be blamed on how unprepared Nathaniel Hackett was to be an NFL head coach. You can say what we will about him as a good offensive coordinator, but you know, it just seemed like the step was too much too quickly for him at that point. Where Sean Payton, he's been there, he's done that, and he should help Russell Wilson rebound to what we typically expect from him as a fantasy option. Plus, Russell Wilson looked like Russell Wilson wanted to be a pocket quarterback last year, and we know from his days in Seattle, Russ can't. Russ is not Drew Brees in the pocket; and needs to use his legs. Some guys need that extra bit of mobility. Some guys need, and Denver doesn't have a great offensive line outside Jared Bowles, so. I feel like Russ is going to use his legs more. So I think we'll see more. I think we'll see a combination of what Russ did in Seattle with what Sean Payton won. So we're going to see multiple formations, Russ using his legs. And I think the Broncos are going to be you – know, Broncos will be better in the second half of the year. I expect Russ to look like himself. I think Jerry Judy is poised for a big year. I I'm very intrigued what Javante Williams can do this year because I mean he was the guy one of my leagues I drafted in the second round and second round last year and then all of a sudden boom towards AC and I'm like oh no yeah no for sure uh, I think well you know we could say the same thing about Brees Hall right but certainly yeah the the Javante hype was there I mean I remember even some dynasty discussions he was being viewed as the potential RB1 even ahead of Jonathan Taylor some people were talking about. So, yeah, the hype on, on Javante was real last year. And certainly with, with Russ and, going and now, there, the Denver hype, yeah, hit, that, hit an extreme. And now what's going on with, with JT? <laughs> running backs matter. And I guess that's part of why. We're talking quarterbacks. I did want to shout out the, the running backs out there uh, who do matter, in fact. And, yeah, it looks like uh, JT back at practice only to leave again. I would expect he's going to play this season how many games he plays. That's that's remains to be seen. So I guess the hesitation at drafting him right now would be, uh, you know, a little scary in that, especially in best ball, you're trying to build these week 17 correlations. Can you count on him to be there in week 17? I think the Colts play the Raiders, right? So is that a great team to want to stack on anyway? Uh, but all to say, just back to talking best ball, Dylan, have you drafted any teams that had both Herbert and Wilson? You take Herbert, you know, mid rounds and then Wilson late enough. And then you get the divisional correlation where, you know, they'll play each other twice. Like, is, have you come across any teams that you've done where that's happened or, or is, is that, do you, what do you think of that strategy? If you haven't tried it yet? Uh, I, I don't mind it, especially uh, when I, when I draft uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, I've, I've drafted a lot of Justin Jefferson. Then in the full fifth round, I would go after Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, and then take Cousins, and later I would take uh, Jordan Love because, I mean, if Green Bay, Minnesota will probably mean something. Plus, it's a dumb game. So what? Else? So 
I really like that. So dome game week 17, 15, it's going to mean something. And I'd rather have them play in a dome than outside in Green Bay where you know the weather could be frosty. Yeah, you have to be one cool customer to play out there. But uh, all to say, so, you know, there's some experience with talking about your best ball drafts. And if anyone else wants to play best ball, well, Going for Two has a promo code, also a QR code for those watched on screen. Uh, if you sign up for Underdog Fantasy and uh, on your first deposit, uh, they will match you, whatever your first deposit is, up to $100 if you sign up with the QR code or use the promo code GF2. Again, you can draft best ball leagues. That's probably what a lot of people want to do, especially after these discussions, Dylan, draft best ball teams. But you can also uh, go single events on sports, uh, you know, whether it's baseball games or, I mean, the NFL is coming, maybe, you know, preseason this weekend, but we're just a couple weeks away from uh, actual NFL games and you can play uh, higher, lower on game totals or on player stats in those, those games as well. So Underdog has a ton of variety of contests. So again, use the promo code GF2. Sign up today to get that double deposit match and start winning on Underdog. And I, I guess, uh, sorry, we, go ahead. And I'll tell you what, I, I did a draft uh, earlier today where I, I drafted a Jamal Chase, T. Higgins, and I got Joe Burrow in the full front, full front. And I'm like, I can't believe Joe Burrow is going the full front. Yeah, the calf injury, but I think he'll be back week one. Just yet another guy we can talk about as potentially being a good value. Like I found he and Herbert going in similar ranges of drafts. So I think I'd be happy taking either where they are going. Give me all the Justin Herbert, uh, Joe Burrow, and stacks, please. Yeah, no, some great options to stack with uh, uh, throughout, certainly. Uh, Oh, Jack, now, just give me all the good quarterbacks. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, they have. Well, and I guess that's the one thing is that all those elite quarterbacks have several options to go and stack with. So even if you miss out on one at different price points, you can hit them. So it's uh, advantageous to try stacking up in those best ball tournaments. I do have another question for you before we uh, get get into our top 10 quarterback rankings. Uh, you know, uh, it seems like rookie quarterbacks are now starting more. I mean, we we heard earlier this week the Colts have named Anthony Richardson the start, their starter. Uh Bryce Young looks like he's going to start in Carolina. CJ Stroud in Houston. Should rookies start week one? Because I think they should. The best way to get prepared is through game reps, right? Like there is no, uh, that's what players say, right? They talk about like mid-season form, a player returning from injury. Okay, you can do all the, the stuff in practice and training camp you want, but it's it's the real game action that gets you those mental reps of, of doing it uh, and that's the best way to learn is in the nfl is by playing so yeah i think specifically i think from richardson because it seems like from the start there was no doubt that bryce young and cj shroud would start week one it seems like through their college careers they've developed enough to be ready for this richardson i think he still has to go a bit away as a passer but i think and i guess it depends on what they need to work on if it's the mental side of the game if it's the the true x's and o's and the speed of the nfl maybe sitting and learning is the best but for Richardson, it doesn't seem like it's that. It's all the mechanics. It's actually like working on his throwing accuracy. That's not going to get any better on the bench. The only way he's going to improve as a passer is if he goes out there and is throwing in actual NFL games and he's going to make mistakes. But that's also how he's going to learn to grow from that. If he is truly a, a franchise quarterback, that's part of the mentality of the quarterback is that, you know, 
understanding you may make mistakes. Obviously, you don't want to make mistakes, but if they do happen, that's not going to you know, compartmentalize. And you can learn from those mistakes and you can improve the next time. You're not going to repeat them and you're not going to make further mistakes off that. So I, I do tend to agree. If, if the quarterback is ready from an X and O's mental side of the game, they should go out there. If, you, if there are concerns about the footwork or because uh, that's one thing we hear a lot about the quarterbacks that like narrow stances and, and you know, that, that'll hurt their accuracy. But as they get the, their better footwork, that will help improve accuracy. But again, the only way that you're going to get that when there's pass rush coming at you in an offensive line protecting you is, is in game uh, when, it, when it truly matters and that speed will really uh, determine it. So yeah, uh, long answer for a short, quick answer of saying, yes, I, I agree, Dylan. I think quarterbacks should start as much as they can. I mean, Peyton Man- I mean, yeah, Peyton Marion threw what, 20 plus interceptions rookie year, still looked and still played a great career. Uh, Trevor Lawrence might have put, might have looked overwhelmed his rookie year under a coach that will not be named, but uh, now he looks like a plus. One of the few coaches that makes Nathaniel Hackett look good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he and yeah, he and Bobby Petrino. Uh, well, luckily, we're not talking about bad individuals. We're talking about good quarterbacks. We're here to talk about the top 10 quarterbacks, Dylan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, plus St. Shrike and Walker Justin Herbert with the Chargers and Jalen Hurts with the Eagles. So he's good with – yeah, Mac Jones had a good rookie year because because Josh McDaniels was his offensive coordinator. Now look what happened last year. The Patriots didn't give him any weapons or an offensive head coach of offensive coordinator. and. He wasn't <laughs> Yeah. Uh, now, Josh McDaniels, head coach, that's probably not a good thing, but Josh McDaniels, offense coordinator, excellent. That's exactly the role you want him in, I think. Sorry, like, Raiders fans. Or like on the other side of the ball, Vic Bangio. Right. Again, another – and, I mean, I, I don't think his tenure as a head coach – I mean, they didn't really – I don't think they won playoff games in Denver, but it didn't seem like he was incompetent. It just – you know, some guys are better. Like Wade Phillips wasn't an awful head coach, but it's, but he's also an exceptional defensive coordinator, and that's where he was champion. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Even thinking back in the day, who was? Wasn't Dirk Cutter a head coach for Tampa for a bit? Who's the guy in Dallas? I can't think of his name now. Jason Garrett or not Jason Jason Garrett, but the Dan Quinn. Oh right, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I think he's a pretty good head coach, to be honest. I'd imagine he'll get another shot at it. Atlanta seemed to do okay uh, under him. Obviously, I mean they made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, that, that's one where, yeah, I, I, I would think Dan Quinn's maybe a level ahead of those other guys we're talking about, Vic Fangio, Wade Phillips, and that sort of thing. I'm shocked. But, yeah, I'm shocked Quinn has to become a head coach. How good Dallas's defense has been. I do wonder how many coaches could have taken that Arizona job and none of them wanted it. Right? That may, I know. I think that was one that was heavily critical. Was the, oh them signing Jonathan Gannon. Maybe Arizona didn't have a choice. Maybe every other candidate they wanted either got hired by someone else or said, nah, I'll just be a DC or I'll just be, I'll just go to Washington and be an offensive coordinator. Because apparently that one was reported where the was offered the Arizona job. He didn't like what they were talking about. Maybe, I mean, in the case, he probably looked at what Arizona did to Steve Wilkes, right? They brought him in. They drafted Josh Rosen and they saddled him to Josh Rosen, which was a complete disaster. And then, when the, the, the general manager who made both those decisions just was retained for his job and got another ticket to can to take a different quarterback 
apparently Steve Wilkes wasn't given that opportunity to, to coach there. Uh, so I, I think, I, I wonder if like, just from a, like a minority standpoint, minority coaches saw that and is okay. Yes. You want to take every shot you can get. Cause it seems like those chances come so rarely, but is that, you know, the enemy might be thinking I might get one shot at this. I might get one chance to be a head coach. Is that the organization that I want to tie myself to for that one chance? So uh, yeah, maybe Dan Quinn was offered the Cardinals job and he said, nah, I'm just going to stick in Dallas. This, this whole thing seems like it could blow up and I'll be out of a job anyway next year. I think that might well, be the fear. Plus Kyler, plus Kyler Murray coming off the 20s, with his propensity for video games over football. I think people, and plus, I think people wanted to see what the Chargers would do because if the Chargers don't make the playoffs this year, I'd rather be Justin yeah. Herbert's head coach. That's that's probably the, the the spot, right? Like that, that would be the the one spot that okay, yeah, I want to tie myself to that franchise quarterback for sure. I, I agree with you, especially it seems like that's a owner that is a lot more stingy with money. Like if they're not just going to nilly willy fire you after one year, like if they give you the coaching contract, they expect to see mo- like have most of that seen out. It seems like they're not going to. I think a lot of people are almost surprised they didn't fire Brandon Staley this year. Uh, that might also be something that's viewed at as, okay, yeah, that might be one where if I get that job, I know I'm probably going to keep it for two, three years, even if I'm losing. I, I know the uh, Spanners family has been relatively cheap with pain, with uh, coaches. Mm-hmm. Which I think a lot of people were tying them to Sean Payton. They were not going to be the team to overpay Sean Payton on a huge contract. But, you know, th- they're going to use Herbert as leverage of, oh, we're not going to pay you like top-notch coaching uh, you know, dollars, but you get this franchise QB you play a Super Bowl with, and that's what you, it will attract. Maybe a Dan Quinn wants that, but uh, yeah, we've talked a lot about coaches for a quarterback episode. I guess we talked about Herbert a lot too. I'm, here's me on my list looking for Kyler Murray. Did Kyler Murray make my list? No, he did not. He didn't. He did not make my list. Yeah, again, this is not a fantasy football list. It would certainly look a lot different. Although, frankly, with his injury, I wouldn't even consider him close to a top ten quarterback this year, just because we. Just don't know how many games he's going to play and if he's still going to present the rushing upside when he does return. So I'm very hesitant on Kyler Murray drafting him in fantasy at all this year. I've got one dynasty share of him and uh, it's a co-managed team. My co-manager and I have made some offers. We've tried to move him and his value is so low now that this is, this seems like it's not the time to move him. It's to wait till maybe have to wait till next year or, or just hold. And if he returns to prominence, then there's no reason to want to trade him. Right. So yeah, Kyler's a, a tricky one for sure. Yeah, wouldn't be close to a top 10 real life or fantasy QB list right now. In I think the other one might be Justin Fields, because if you're playing fantasy, I think Justin Fields is probably a top five option. But real life, not sure where he would be quarterback wise. Yeah, I uh, I didn't consider him to my uh, like on this top 10 list. And I, I think I went about. Uh, let me see. Almost uh, yeah, over 15 deep in terms of candidates to make the top 10 so i I, you know he he might finish at the back end of a top 20 maybe but uh, yeah it's about as high as i'd be willing to go with fields as a real life quarterback even though i have tons of dynasty shares and i love him as a dynasty asset uh we'll find out for fantasy this year i've got uh, yeah i was thinking fields 15 or 16 but potential upside i mean i I mean dj moore looked at dj moore make could make justin fields Looks somewhat decent. 
yeah, I think DJ Moore helps Justin Fields probably more than Justin Fields is going to help DJ Moore. <laughs> DJ Moore is already a good receiver in his own merit. And he's had awful quarterback play throughout his career. It's not really going to get better this year, but he, that's okay. Cause he could still produce like he's still DJ Moore. He could still win at every level, short, intermediate, deep. He can get open. He can make catches. He's kind of everything you want in a receiver. Everything the bears didn't have last year. It's that that elite target that like on, on every like important third down or anytime that you need that first read option on quick plays. That was a big problem for fields was holding the ball too long. His first reads weren't getting open immediately. Like that, that completely changes the offense and just like, it'll almost force the ball out of Justin Fields' hands quicker. I think that happened in the preseason game where he's throwing screens to DJ Moore. He's having confidence and decisiveness throwing it quickly. So we could also see Fields improve and take steps as a passer and as a real-life NFL quarterback this year, too. But uh, for now, I think it's just a little too early to, to put him top 10. And that's, frankly, a theme for me. There were two guys where I might have considered them, but I just haven't seen enough yet. I think I ultimately ended up putting them at 12 and 13, respectively. One might uh, – I don't know. And I figured one may see your list, but I wasn't totally sure. I don't know if you – do we keep teasing people or do we get to the list now? We're 25 minutes in after all. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to get hand out the list. So, do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Uh, doesn't matter. Whatever you prefer, Don. Uh, I'm good either way. Okay, well, I can I can quickly start us off with the quarterback. It's funny, and I think this is a common theme for really all four quarterbacks, seven through ten, to me is the need to bounce back. And I think Dak Prescott used to be, you know, maybe to a fault not throwing interceptions. And I think part of that was his nature. He wasn't an anticipatory thrower. He was throwing, he was, you know, Cole Beasley wide open. He's going to throw to him rather than Des Bryant one-on-one. And like, you know, go, oh, pick the open receivers and see a thrower. Uh, but then it seems like through his career, maybe getting Amari Cooper really helped too. Uh, Dak started to throw his receivers open and throw with timing and anticipation. But I think as a result of that has almost, gotten too confident in himself and i see him throwing a lot more tight windows than i ever have earlier in his career which has led to a lot more interceptions these last couple of seasons so if he can just reel that back if he could still keep that aggressive nature but not reckless i certainly see dak prescott rebounding to a top 10 nfl quarterback he's won multiple playoff games Uh, i think that's something that kind of separated him from the guys i guess below the list uh for a lot of those younger unproven guys that i didn't put in the top 10 uh, I almost didn't put Dak on the list, but I think he's been good enough that he, in my eyes, deserves at least the 10th spot on this list. Interesting. I don't have Dak Prescott on my list. Case in point, right? Like, again, I almost didn't put him on, but I, I ultimately, like I said, I hemmed and hawed this 8, eight 9, and especially 9 and 10 were, were the two toughest spots to rank, I think. And even right now, I could flip 9, 10 that I have. I could take them out and put two other players in and totally justify it. I don't, think, I don't think it's a it's a huge omission to not have Dak, to be honest. I'm curious who you have at number 10. I've got Jared Goff at number 10. That surprised me a little. I almost choked on my water. <laughs> because, I mean, I'm basing it off of what happened last year. I think Jared Goff was just a really efficient quarterback. I mean, yeah, he's not going to overwhelm you with sexiness, but... And Jared, when Jared Goff won won the NFC Championship in LA, what did he have? Strong offensive line, capable running back in Todd Gurley, and wide receivers. The Lions last year possessed a very good offensive line. 
I'm on Ross St. Brown and uh, capable running backs, whether it be Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Now he's got Monty, Jameer Gibbs, Amon Ra, Jameson Williams, we could have to keep the set on straight and uh, draft from the Porter. I think, I think, especially with what happened week 18, going into Lambo where Jared Goff never plays well in cold weather and beating Aaron Rodgers showed me something. You know what? Yeah, and I think uh, the advantage Goff has talked about earlier, dome games, right? He gets to play his home games in a dome, and I think that certainly impacted that last year of you know, much higher, from fantasy perspective, splits at home than on the road. But I mean, he's been to a Super Bowl. He's won playoff games. You, he might not be a force multiplier on his own, but you put the right system in front of him, he can distribute the ball accurately. You give him a guy like Almon Ross St. Brown, he'll just pepper him with targets like he did with Cooper Cup. So that is the one good thing about Goff is he knows how to prioritize his best targets. And I mean, if you gave him an offense where it's Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Todd Gurley, and a pair of tight ends and Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, we saw how he would efficiently distribute the ball to the open receiver on every play. So he certainly, yeah, I mean, I get why the, why the yeah, it was the Rams, not the Lions. The Rams took him first overall. I also understand why the Lions took Matthew Stafford first overall. Uh, and certainly the, the Lions have to feel happy of, the return they got on Stafford, even if the, you know, the Rams got the Super Bowl with Stafford, I think the Lions now got extra picks, extra ammunition, and Jared Goff in this quarterback that they can at least take them through this next era. Well, uh, number nine on my list is a guy you be for, you should be familiar with because uh, he was the quarterback in Green Bay for 15 years and now be a bad man, man in New York. Uh, yeah, this was, uh, it's funny because I actually thought I was going to be too low on Rodgers, but I was a little higher. Um, but yeah, um, down year for him last year. And I don't know what to, what you take of that down year, Dylan. I know I, I, I put it on two things. A, he got injured. There's the thumb injury that seemed to really impact him. And, and I know they, they went through a big losing skid where they lost like six out of seven games or something. And that was the stretch where I believe that that stretch started with the loss to the Giants overseas, and that's the game where he broke his thumb or fractured his thumb or whatever the injury was. And it really carried through those almost two months before they kind of went on a win streak at the end of the year just to give themselves a chance at the playoffs. But I think the injury was huge. And frankly, that was probably the worst receiving core he had ever had in his career. Because if you think when he came into the NFL, he had a fresh new Jordy Nelson, but also with veterans such as Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, uh, James Jones there. And then as the, the receiving core evolved, he quickly got Randall Cobb added uh, by the time driver Jones and Jennings left uh, just a couple years later, they draft Devonte Adams in the second round. Oh yeah. This idea that the Packers never give Aaron Rodgers weapons. I don't see where that comes from. Did they not see Devonte Adams all of those years? I, like that's like this idea that, Oh, he, they didn't draft a first round receiver. Well, they didn't have to, because they took Devonte Adams in the second, which <laughs> that's a big mistake by everyone else that didn't take him. But uh, I just think of, Every year since 2014, how many first-round receivers were drafted in the NFL and how basically none of them were anywhere close to as good as Adams. So why would you ever take a first-round receiver if, if you've got Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams? That, that argument never made sense to me. I always thought that the – because, like, I think of how they got Jair Alexander. First-round pick. They the, you know, mid-first-round pick, too. Uh, Kenny Clark, first-round pick. Clay Matthews, like that's how you get elite defensive players to help your quarterback and help win a Super Bowl. So I always found that the Packers did actually surround Rodgers well with talent until last year. Trading away Devontae Adams seems like that's something they didn't want to do, were forced into, and they didn't have a contingency plan. 
And I don't know what you think, Dylan. I'll ask you this question. If Garrett Wilson was on the Packers last year, do you think they make the playoffs? I don't, uh, I don't think I so. wholeheartedly think yes. And maybe that's my bias as a Packers fan. I, don't think so. I just think they, they, they missed the playoffs by one game. Having Garrett Wilson as opposed to everyone else as their as the number one receiver, does that not make at least one game difference through this, the course of the season? I don't think they would have won the division just because of how strongly the Vikings ran away from it. But I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, if Wilson's on the team last year, the Packers are in the playoffs. They're ahead of the Lions. They beat the Lions straight up in week 17 if it comes down to that, honestly, because the Lions definitely didn't have anyone that could stop uh, Garrett Wilson. I mean, they still might not, to be honest. The Lions defense, uh, I'm not sure. But they'll win the division, though, this year, right, guys? <laughs> uh, Josh Walker from the uh, Fantasy Saturday Night, is or Dynasty Saturday Night, sorry, joining. As well as, and I also should mention, Jamie's on the Fantasy Cheat Sheet. And they, they didn't have an episode this week. I anticipate an episode next week on the Going for Two Live Network. Who's number I guess, nine on your list? So mine is a guy we've already discussed, Dylan. And it's, again, the redemption project that Sean Payton has taken on. I think if I was judging Russell Wilson based just on last year, and if I thought last year was like, okay, he, he's declined and this is the new Russell Wilson, he wouldn't have touched this list. I would have gone with one of the younger options. Or I would have thrown Kirk Cousins up in the top 10. But that's one season of Russell Wilson at his absolute worst, where every other season he has played excellent football. And so I'm willing to kind of overlook the one bad year, a little like Aaron Rodgers to a certain extent, and say with a better situation, in this case, a better coaching staff involved, I think he can rebound to get to where he's been at. Uh, between him and Dak, really, honestly, Dylan, I don't know if this is correct because it, it happened so long ago, but literally the fact that Wilson has a Super Bowl ring and Dak hasn't been to the Super Bowl is the only reason I went Wilson 10, Dak 9. But I feel like they're both on the same track of needing to rebound and, and fix something about their game. But if they can do that, we've also seen them excel. And, and Russ is going to have a lot, a lot of pressure because they're going. To, if he has, if he puts together two bad years, well, then it's the quarterback. Yeah, no. Then, then the decline has happened, and this was a completely egregious mistake on my part putting him in this top ten list. And, and uh, uh, Sean Payton will be looking for a new quarterback to to have as his, have as his pet project. And Pete Carroll's a genius. Yes, he never let Russ cook, and then you see why. Yeah, no, for sure. Pete Carroll's looking smarter and smarter by the day, for sure. Is Geno Smith on your list? <laughs> no. Same here. <laughs> but who is your number eight quarterback, Dylan? Uh, Matt, Matthew Stafford. Ah, uh, yeah. He was a tough one. I mean, this 8, 9, 10, 11 range was solid, and I'm looking more at, I'm looking more at what Stafford did in 21. And yes, I don't think it was ever healthy. But I can't overlook the last time Stafford was 100%. He was the best fourth-quarter quarterback in football. And let's see, Cooper Cup, right? Sean Revey coaching, right? Cooper Cup catching footballs, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Sean McVay's still there. Cooper Cup's still there. Aaron Donald's still there. Not that that impacts Stafford directly. The whole gang's back. I think if Stafford's healthy, I don't think the – I think the Rams – Potentially challenge full playoff spot despite having a very young defense. I mean, we saw what the Chiefs did last year with what eight rookies win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Although I will say those rookies kind of, especially some of those corners seem to really outproduce what we expected of them. But I, I do agree. I feel like a lot of people are just like dismissing the Rams. Oh, this offense is going to be awful. Like it'll be a complete disaster. They'll be drafting Caleb Williams next year. I'm with you. I think that they're closer to being in a, in a playoff spot. Uh, I don't think they'll make it, but I think they'll make it interesting and, and at least keep it close. Also, Josh, we're actually not doing this as a fantasy ranking. That's why uh, I didn't, uh, if you look at the title, I didn't hashtag fantasy football. I hashtag NFL and football in that because we're actually counting on the quarterbacks from a real life NFL perspective, which I know going for two live network, usually we're talking fantasy, but that's not the case today. Even though it's a quarterback sh- show, I'm also wearing the running back shirt. But uh, I guess I'll run towards my number eight, even though I, he makes a lot of people want to run away from him. Um, with With the talk of redemption in terms of, quarterback play and man Deshaun Watson was awful last year like it's it's almost the same story as Russell Wilson like so like almost historically bad yet every other season he's ever played he's actually been quite amazing sometimes led the league in passing so another one of those things where it's in unlike Russ it's not so much the the coaching staff that's changed because uh Kevin Stefanski is still the coach there but just the fact that Watson like, I don't know, was it rust or is this a new Watson? And I kind of buy into, man, it had been almost two years since he had played football by the time he stepped on the field for the, that, I guess, was six game stretch at the end of last year. So all that rust, certainly from a quarterback perspective, which is so based on rhythm and timing, it completely looks like it shattered his rhythm and the offense actually regressed. It was better with Jacoby Brissett. So just the, that big interruption, I think, was a massive reason why Deshaun played so so me banking on that also says if he comes back, you know, it, now that he'll, when he plays football, it'll have been nine months since his last football game. And uh, I mean, like NFL, like regular season game, I think he'll play in the preseason, but he'll also have gone through all of training camp. So I'm expecting Watson to return close to what he was before his lengthy absence from uh, the NFL. But uh, yeah, that was, that was a, that like those three Watson, Wilson, Prescott, I could have taken them off and put three other guys completely. And it, I, would have probably been fine and justified, right? Ooh, I'll tell you what. I, I like me some Cleveland best ball stacks. You get you get Russ, uh, Cooper, one of Elijah Moore, DPJ. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I love Cooper as a as a general fantasy football value this year. I think he'll do great with Watson. Uh, number seven is going to be a direct rival of the Sean Watson, the AFC North, uh, Lamar. I am intrigued by what this by what Lamar and the Ravens do. Obviously, new offensive coordinator, sign Odell, sign uh, drafted Zay Flowers, rookie out of Boston College, and I think the Ravens are going to throw the ball. And um, the question is, can Lamar stay healthy? Because if Lamar returns to some 2019 form, he could be unbelievable in this offense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the uh, coordinator change, I think, is definitely intriguing. I'd, Im- I'd imagine we see a career high in pass attempts for Lamar. Okay. I don't think he's going to get to 500 pass attempts, but I think he could certainly eclipse 400 and and maybe not quite hit 500, but maybe be pushing at that. So uh, he has, I think, five first round wide receivers on his team, and likely none of them will lead the team in targets because you have Mark Andrews as well on top of all that. So. <laughs> Uh, certainly has the weapons around him to be able to, and what a variety of age. Like you've got first rounders from 2014, 2015. I think Laquan Treadwell's on that team. First rounder from 
I guess 2016, three years in a row. And then you've got three recent first rounders or two in, in Bateman and, and Zay Flowers. So that'll, that'll be fun to see how that all works out. Not that I think Treadwell's going to do anything this year. Don't draft him in fantasy. Um, so now we get to the part of the list where I think it's going to be a lot of the same players. I think at this point, we're going to, there won't be any big surprise names that jump up. Or if there is, it will be a surprise, but that's not how I'm expecting it. But uh, my number seven is Aaron Rodgers. Like I mentioned earlier, um, this was, I, I, I couldn't put him any lower than this because I think anyone else that I've already mentioned or won't even mention today has so much to like still things that are uncertain and not haven't proven nearly as much as Aaron Rodgers. And then everyone ahead of him, I think are, if you're talking about wanting to win one game right now, there's a lot of really young quarterbacks that seem to get it right now that I would rather have than Aaron Rodgers. So seven seemed like it was for me, it was almost the easiest one to rank outside of maybe number one, just because I couldn't really, I couldn't possibly move him any lower than seven. And I found it really tough to justify putting him up higher. And, and the six guys I have ahead of him, I think I would clearly rather have all six of those. I'll just say it, six young quarterbacks uh, ahead of Aaron Rodgers, but uh, still number seven on this list. I, my, my expectation is the jets do make the playoffs this year that uh, I don't know if he'll make the super bowl, which I think is the tradition of Aaron Rodgers, right? He'll, he'll only ever get to that one super bowl, I think. Luckily, he won it, took advantage of that one opportunity. But that might I, – I have a feeling that'll be his only Super Bowl appearance. In his I mean, Dan Marino only made one Super Bowl. And he unfortunately didn't take advantage. Now, you know, he was facing Joe Montana. Aaron Rodgers was facing Ben Roethlisberger, who's a, a decent quarterback in his own I mean, right. Dan Marino was facing a, what, the 84-9er team, probably the best team in the – well, the, maybe the be- one of the best teams in NFL history. Yeah, yeah, no, and that and that's that's a 49ers team that dominated them even without Jerry Rice. Like he wasn't in the in the league yet. So that that offense still hadn't even hit their like highest gear yet, but that's that defense was certainly dominant and gave uh, Reno some nightmares and they kind of won it. I think it was a it was like 34-16 or something. Like it was a fairly big blowout and Montana was clearly the better quarterback than Marino and I think you kind of put that stamp on that. Uh yeah, but yeah, I I it, it would be fun to see him lose to the with the Jets. Um, that would be hilarious. I, I, that's a tough map to get to the Super Bowl, though, uh, from the AFC. I don't quite know they make it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so Jamie wants him to go to the Super Bowl. Josh wants him to miss the playoffs and has him retire. So uh, I think they'll be in the middle. I think they'll make the playoffs, make it. They might lose wild card weekend, though, because there's so many good teams in the NFC. Uh, speaking of Super Bowl, number six on my list, the guy who made the Super Bowl, Super Bowl and almost won MVP last year, and uh, I, I mean, I don't know where I don't. I feel like Jalen Hurts was maybe the hardest guy to rank, but I ranked him number six. I, I don't know. I mean, based on last year, he probably should be high, but I like the upside more on some of the guys in front of him. And losing Shane Strike as his OC will be a big loss. I was actually found Herbert even harder to rank than Hertz, but it, I, I feel like I have them ranked really similarly. And thus like it, it, you know, I could have put one above the other below the other. Ultimately I actually went with Justin Herbert at number six, even though I talked earlier really about how I expect a, a rebound. The one thing is though, he, a lot of his success from a fantasy perspective does come from just his sheer volume of passes. He makes. He's not overly as efficient as say some of these other quarterbacks that uh, we'll, I'll be talking about. Um, and yeah, the, the lack of playoff success, 
I guess everyone I have ahead of him has at least one playoff victory under their belt. He doesn't yet. That might be not entirely his fault. Um, but uh, but still, I think some, some more to prove, even though he's shown he can play quarterback at an elite level. But can he is, is he truly capable of getting a team to the Super Bowl? Is, is, I have maybe less confidence in him than I do of the guys in my top five in, in that regard, even though it's, it's picking hairs. Because just like you were saying with Hertz. You, you, your number six, you think maybe should be higher. My number six, Herbert, I think he should be higher. And I think what we would do is we would, the other one, would, we would lower those other quarterbacks in order to make it happen. So it, it, this is a really tough range, I think. Those two specifically would be tough to rank. Uh, number five um, uh, is the guy who beat Justin Herbert and overcame a 27 nothing wild card deficit. And that's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I I am I might be a little biased because you know me being a Jag fan, but uh, Trevor Lawrence looks really good. The Jags, I think the Jags' offense could be even better with Calvin Ridley's addition. And I, um, that. I I I think this team, I I I I don't know what to expect this year, but I think Trevor Lawrence could be unbelievable this year. This is maybe where I made the mistake, right, of putting Wilson, putting Pre- Dak, and even Watson at the expense of Trevor Lawrence, who I didn't have on my list. But I think it just came down to, I mean, he was awful as a rookie, and he was really good last year, but we've still have only seen one season of him being pretty decent, but not outstanding. Like, this isn't like what Herbert was as a rookie, for instance. So I, I would just need to see more from Lawrence. I need to see him at least replicate what he did last year for a second season just to show that last year isn't his peak like that he'll you know he, what he really is is more of a middle of what he saw as a rookie what we saw last year i would anticipate he could even be better than last year and i think that's a reasonable expectation i think that he'll grow but i guess until he does i can't i can't put him ahead of the other certainly the other seven and then again that watson wilson prescott tier i would say qb8 probably goes down as far as like qb13 maybe qb uh, probably 14 because i didn't have stafford on my list either it's funny. Those were the three. I, I, I figured the, all my other quarterbacks you would have on your list, but it sounds like you don't have Watson, Wilson, or Prescott, but instead you have Lawrence, Stafford, and Goff. And I think that's a that's a very reasonable group. To, that would be like, again, the guys in my top 15. It just, you know, who's, who's outside the top 10, inside the top 10, I thought was such a, such a thin line. So who's uh, five on your list? Well, and if you don't mind, Dylan, I'm going to jump ahead of you and go four and five because okay. I found these two quarterbacks really identical. Although for different reasons, it's funny, but in terms of how they manifest it, but man, these quarterbacks are dominant with their legs, truly. And at number five, I've got Lamar Jackson. Number four, I've got Jalen Hurts. And Lamar from a just sheer speed perspective, like you can't catch this guy. Like this guy is just going to, there's a reason he has the uh, record for, rushing yards by a quarterback or he broke that uh, Michael Vick record that stood for quite a while. And who knows, maybe it'll be routinely broken every year now with how mobile these quarterbacks get, but just this unmatched speed, although he's probably uh, among all 10 on this list, he probably has the biggest weakness as a passer and that's throwing outside the numbers. Now I, I don't think Lamar Jackson is a bad passer. In fact, I think the opposite. I think he's, He's actually really good over the middle of the field, but his weakness has come outside the numbers. And if you look at his like completion percentage through his career, that tracks. I've seen it on tape, but it has gotten better from 
his Louis day, Louisville days in college where you know he would try to throw a five yard out and the ball would land five yards out of bounds. Like it's, there's something about the, just the lateral accuracy he really struggled with, but if he had to throw a, a ball straight down the field, 40 yards, he would hit the receiver in the hands perfectly. But it was just the, it, it's, it's strange. Cause I don't know if, Dylan, have you ever seen a quarterback where their accuracy changes so much, whether it's inside passes or outside passes? Because I don't remember one at all, ever. I mean, maybe Anthony Richards is that quarterback now. We'll find out, right? Yeah, we, he has thrown enough passes that we really don't know who he is as a passer. But yeah, it might, that might be another example of that. And so the one thing I will say about Lamar, he is a really good red zone quarterback. Doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. Usually throws a really tight, high touchdown rate. And the one thing that the one reason I put him ahead of Herbert is again that that game breaking speed with his legs that's something Herbert can't do as physically imposing as Herbert is. Although the more I'm talking, the more I feel like I probably should have Herbert at four, Lamar at six, and then Jalen at five. But that that's that's a tricky range for me. Um, I think I probably would change it to be honest. So yeah, never mind. I'm switching. Lamar is six, Jalen Hurts is five, and uh, Herbert at four. I think is probably how I should go to be maybe make match where uh, where you have Herbert, but yeah, Hertz. It's, it's less about look like Lamar is the speed. Herbert's the power. Like this guy can run kind of like a running back, kind of like how Josh Allen and Cam Newton would do just plow through players and, and such a strong offensive line, 13 rushing touchdowns. Not, not a lot of it seemed like a fluke. A lot of it was just when we're getting close to the red to the goal line, we'll just QB power, not even QB sneak. Cause it's not so sneaky when everyone sees it coming, but like it worked. Uh, they just they were super efficient at it and he's super he's really good at it and oh yeah he can also throw the ball really well and we saw them bringing in aj brown and, and having Devonte smith his rookie year was awful but he didn't have either of those two elite wide receiver weapons to throw to so that small stretch at the start of his rookie season you wonder why he was so awful but that's that's maybe a big facet of it uh having the weapons there so yeah i think i, I would switch things around though i would go lamar at six jalen hurts five and then herbert at four now that i've talked my, myself through it because the truth is J- justin herbert is an incredibly physically imposing dominant quarterback he does look like a cam newton to a certain extent the strong arm yeah I, I, enough for me to be at number four but yeah well, well i've talked enough now Dylan. who's your number four quarterback josh allen and uh oh, to be honest last year josh allen was my number one qb at this time but uh he disappointed me last year. I mean, I thought the Bills were going to the Super Bowl, and they lost to the Bengals about three stolen linemen. And last year, we saw the bad Josh Allen. Too many mistakes, too many red zone issues, too much running, and not enough cleanliness. And I mean, maybe the elbow injury affected her Allen, but it seemed like the Bills didn't have a plan B because – you, yeah, the Chiefs may rely on Pat Mahomes running once in a while, but not every game. Like every time we watch the Bills, it's like Josh Allen hurdling in the fender or blowing by somebody or hammering. Fine. I'm like, why didn't they? Why don't the Bills just run the ball with with one of their running backs, whether it be James Cook, Devin Singletary, or give the tight end a, a play? You know, maybe getting Dalton Kincaid for help. Because Steph Diggs needs help. I mean, Gabriel Diggs looked like he looked like he was out the lunch the whole year. It's like he talked about he was dealing with like an ankle sprain early in the season, and it seemed like it just affected him for a ton of the season. 
he was good the first like month of the year, and it seems like he got injured. Your touchdown against Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's it seemed like that that was after like that was pre-injury, right? And that would have been like week three, week four, whatever it was, and like that was the last big hurrah we saw from Gabe Davis. He had like three catches for 170 yards or something like that was it's kind of ridiculous. And then, and I wonder, did he get hurt in that game initially? And that's why he only caught three passes in that game, even though clearly it was a mismatch that was working. Uh, why would you not continue to go to it if it's that successful? But I wonder if he did actually get hurt that game. And then we, I don't know. It seemed like Gabe Davis, the, the expectations, that four touchdown game against the Chiefs in the playoffs the previous year, he was never going to quite live up to that. But I do agree with what you were saying about Allen, the mistakes, right? And it was, I think everything that everyone was worried about Josh Allen as a prospect and why people were maybe hesitant to avoid and why everyone was so in on Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen that year, the risky red flag nature of Josh Allen's play. And it maybe came to a head a bit last year, but it's funny because you had him at number one in last year's ranking. I think I had him at number six. And yet I it, we flipped because I'm now higher than you are. Not by much because I have him at number three. So this is a good transition point there to talk about that. But uh, yeah, I guess to me, Herbert and Allen really are the two most like physically imposing quarterbacks that exist. And Herbert really does most of it with his arm, whereas Josh Allen is kind of a multidimensional that he can do both. But I suppose it, if, if he's running too much, does that lead to stuff like the elbow injury? So uh, maybe that justifies Herbert ahead of Allen, uh, like uh, potentially on your list, Dylan. Well, number three, well, number three is Justin Herbert, and uh, I can't wait to see what he does with Kellen Moore this year because yeah. the, if the Georgias stay healthy this year, this is going to be a fun thing to watch. Yeah, for sure. No, this could be really exciting. I think that the low depth of passing last year really hurt Herbert, and I mean, frankly, how, losing his two top receivers. That certainly hurt for a lot of the year when, when Herbert himself was injured. So a lot of that was relying on Austin Eckler uh, dump off passes. And then Josh Palmer, of course, I'm pretty sure Eckler led the team in targets. So that was uh, maybe you don't want your running back as, as your number one target for your offense to be truly elite. So uh, we'll see what happens this year. You mentioned earlier that, you know, Quentin Johnston being added uh, to that list. And now you've got four formidable wide receivers, certainly at the top of that being Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. So as long as that dominant duo is around, Helen Moore certainly going to have a lot of pieces to play with. And then uh, based, on, based on the process of elimination, I think we know who are one and two also. Number two on your list, I'm guessing uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. What a cool guy. Um, but yeah, already been to a Super Bowl into into three seasons. And this is maybe the the big delineation between him and Lawrence is, and I mean, to be fair, Burrow, his last few years have been a lot better than what Lawrence did last year, but you know, Burrow's rookie season wasn't spectacular by any means, and it was cut short by an injury. But even before then, he was struggling. Uh, but certainly rebounded really strong with two great seasons, tied to Jamar Chase, of course. But I mean, if that's the real Joe Burrow, what he's done the last two years, I think, has been you know rivaled and beaten only by Patrick Mahomes, really, from a quarterback perspective. So um, I know in my touchdown projections that I have this year, I had Joe Burrow, and even in spite of this injury, I think I still have him with the second most passing touchdowns in the NFL, behind only Mahomes. So, uh, Burrow, yeah, all the success he's had so far early in his career, it seems like the part, the part isn't too big for him. He seems like he's just he's got the, the quarterback mentality, just constantly getting better, never worried if things go wrong, and, and you know a mistake won't lead to another mistake. It'll, it'll lead to fixing the mistake the next time, and it allowed him to have some good victories, even if he plays poorly. He, he's the kind of guy that... I think about that Pittsburgh game 
last year where they almost ended up winning, even though, you know, in spite of him and how awful the turnovers were. But uh, once he got past that game and figured it out, I, I wonder if people were thinking, oh, was his second year just a flash in the pan? But he showed that, yeah, I think he's truly an elite quarterback. And my number two, I'd ima- and I imagine the same for you. Yeah, and plus, he was coming off an appendectomy. I don't worry about the calf injury. I think what Joe Burrow can do at the line of scrimmage is unbelievable. He, I think Burrow is the best before-play quarterback in the NFL. Now, the guy at number one might be the best when the play happens and when the play breaks down because the things Pat, – because Patrick Holmes can make anything happen. He can throw a left-handed pass. He can throw a he can throw a no look pass. He can throw one off the wrong foot. Throw one behind his back, and all. The, and then he can make. I mean, remember that touchdown the Super Bowl where literally the whole Eagle defense went one way, and I think Sky Moore went this way. Yeah, what a great play call there. Because um, they did it twice, right? They did it with Tony as well. And uh, I think supposedly credit to Eric Bieniemy who found that. Um, apparently credit to your Jaguars, who did it with Jamal Agnew, ran that same play in the regular season, and it worked on the Eagles. So Doug Peterson inevitably gave the Chiefs the key to beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, which is a hilarious statement on its own. Um, but yeah, I, I, you just said something that made me think, like talking about Joe Burrow and his like pre-snap awareness. And it's funny because people tried to paint the uh, Mahomes-Allen rivalry as the new Brady-Manning. But if Patrick Mahomes really is the best thing we have other than Tom Brady in terms of like he is the best quarterback for, and we expect that to be a long time like Brady was, is Joe Burrow the best version we have of Peyton Manning right now in the NFL? Uh, probably. Based on how you were describing it, yeah, I'm kind of – I hadn't put that together yet in my head, but that makes a ton of sense that he's our, you know, the, the, the kind of the gunslinger mentality, but also, you know, mentality to, to all that pre-snap recognition. You give him something once and you get an interception off him, well, the next time he's going to learn from it, he won't be able to fool him that second time. It seems like that really is kind of how, how Burrow has been defined and just, again, constantly improving. Uh, and already dealing with tons of injuries in his career, just like Peyton Manning. So there you go. The, the comparison's perfect. And yes, we both have Mahomes at number one, of course, because who else would be? That was the that was the easiest guy on the list to place, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was uh, this was super fun, Dylan. Uh, challenging at times for sure, and I'm still not even certain I got it right. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, not. Sure. I'm not sure I got any of them right except maybe Mahomes. Well, and I was gonna say, like, you know, uh, almost three quarters of the list are the same players, and maybe not in the exact same order. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I think the, the, there were certainly the same names that came across that. Yeah. The three names that were different on each list. So I, you know, enough, enough of, uh, I think that was closer than we were to the coaches where we, we were pretty, uh, quite apart on the, on the coaching list. Dylan, so this was a little, uh, a little closer, a little more comfortable, I think. But uh, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, we're an hour in, so may as well uh, end the episode here. We've got through the top 10 quarterback lists uh, for NFL football players. Uh, Dylan, is there anything you'd like to plug uh, for the people and let them know where they can find and follow you? Uh, hit me up on Twitter at DylanSports1, Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page, host of the Big D Podcast. Thank you for the uh, response, Jamie. Yeah, uh, thanks, Jamie. 
hope I hope that this was a great show. Yeah, not the usual typical fantasy football talk on the network, but this was a certainly a fun conversation to have. Uh, my name is Kyle Senra. I'm on Twitter at Senra Says. Uh, you can also follow me at other podcasts. I've got the Full Press Fantasy Pod, the Full Press Packers Pod. Uh, check out those accounts at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod at FPC underscore Packers. And of course, uh, you know the off season's kind of coming to an end here on the Going for Two Live Network. I've got one episode of each of my two shows that I do in the off season left uh, press coverage next Monday, the uh, Monday, the 21st at 8 PM. I'll have Brian Ford on and Brian's actually a co-host on the dynasty Saturday night five. So check them out on Saturday, of course. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned on the network. Cause I, an hour and a half from now, 90 minutes only actually uh, at this point, it's uh, 89 minutes. Uh, Jeff Lambert and Ryan Searfoss, of course, will be back. Uh, with the Armchair Fantasy Show, the flagship show of this Going for Two Live Network. Everything started from Jeff, so uh, be sure to support them later on tonight. I think we're going to be talking. Hey, we we spoke about Underdog Fantasy, that that uh, the promo code we have, GF2. Uh, you know, sign up for Underdog today, but I think they're going to be talking and I think doing a, an Underdog Best Ball Draft, a uh, fast draft tonight, uh, live on the show. So definitely great to check that out. But yes, uh, press coverage next Monday, the Dynasty Gambit next Thursday. Uh, that'll be the 24th. So at 8 p.m. Eastern, and yeah, I don't know what our dynasty topics are going to be yet, but uh, certainly should be a, a big uh, off-season finale before we transition into the regular season. And uh, of course, there's great programming every night here uh, on the uh, on the Going for Two Live Network. Apparently, tonight's start is 10, so it's two hours from now. So wait that extra half hour because uh, you'll have the doc on uh, Dr. James Freddy at the Fantasy Sports Talk, a great resource for all things injury, but a great fantasy football player as well. So. Anything Doc says is great and worth watching and listening to. So, yeah, tune in tonight for sure. But, uh, yes, uh, thank you, everyone who was in the chat. Josh, Jamie, uh, random Facebook user that I think actually turned out to be Jamie. So thanks for that. Uh, but, yes, um, whoever here was repping the good old boys network, I appreciate that. appreciate all the support. Thank you, Dylan. This was a fantastic episode. Thanks for the idea and the suggestion last year and the suggestion to carry this over here this year. You know I, li- you know I like me some quarterback talk. Yeah, you can't pass over this conversation, right? Yeah, uh, next yeah, next year we're going to do top ten long snappers. That might be a bit more of a challenge. That that <laughs> may be more difficult than the quarterbacks. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, look out next year for the long snapper episode here on the Going for Two Live Network. On behalf of Dylan, I'm Kyle. Thank you all.